Good evening. Can you all hear me? Is that working? Yeah. Fantastic. Just hold on to those words for a little while because they're going to be very important that you are a beloved child of God. So I'm going to talk about some quite tricky things tonight. I've got, been given a passage um, that is, is one of the more controversial in the Bible, I think we could honestly say. Uh, it starts with the line, wives, submit yourself to your husbands, for example. Uh, and it carries on from that. Uh, and it's, it's going to give us quite a lot to think about, hopefully, in 20, 25 minutes. Really big principles behind it. And it's also one of those talks where it's talking to everybody in the room, because the only people I need to talk to today are wives, husbands, children, parents, people who work, people who employ people. So that's pretty much everybody. Um, so it's, these are really relevant words, but they are difficult words, as a lot of the Bible is, it's challenging. Jesus doesn't make it easy, and these words aren't easy words for us to listen to today, some of them. In a week where you may have been aware of, of some of the things that Donald Trump, for example, has said quite a few years ago, but some of his attitudes towards women, uh, in, a, in a week where Chet Evans, the footballer, has been cleared of, of some pretty, pretty awful crimes and some of the words that have come out in that case. I'm not going to talk about either of those things in great detail because we've got lots of kids here as well and some really disturbing things have been said in the media this week about the role of women. You might have heard uh, Michelle Obama, uh, the first lady, talking about the, the role of women in America and saying how she was worried that some of the attitudes that she's heard over the last few days might take America back 20, 30, 40 years. Um, so these, these are quite powerful words when we then say in a Christian context one person should submit to someone else. Submission is quite a difficult word to get our heads around in the, the modern age in which we live. But we've got to, as always, put it into context and think about what is being said in a word uh, that we believe is true. We believe the Christian Bible reflects what we should believe in as Christians at this church. So we can't just ignore the bits that are a bit clunky or a bit difficult or hard for us to stomach. So I want to just talk about three very difficult but very important parts of our lives. I'm going to talk about marriage, I'm going to talk about parenting, and I'm going to talk about working. So three pretty fundamental things to do. But before we do that, because this could be quite tricky for some of us, let's, let's just pray together and invite God uh, into this. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that each person sitting here is a child of God. Each person here is beloved of you. Each person here has a plan for their life that you are working out day by day. Thank you that in this room there are people who are married, people who are not married. There are children and parents. There are people who work and people who manage other people. And I pray, Lord, whatever role it is tonight you want to deal with in our own individual lives, that you'll speak so clearly, not through what I say, but through what you say. I pray, Lord, there'll be a blessing for each one of us tonight. And that you'd reveal it really clearly to each one of us, through your love, through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, let's kick off with a, the nice big one first. I'm just going to read each of these sections individually, then we'll, I'll talk about them for a few minutes, uh, give you a few things maybe to consider. And then I think at the end of it, I think we'll probably all need to stand up and just pray together because I know there's a lot of hurt in many of these things. I once said in a talk uh, quite a few years ago now 
that when we're thinking about love in relationships and we're thinking about authority, sometimes helpful to think about a relationship in our lives that has really worked. Someone who we trust, it could be a parent, it might not be, but someone who had authority over, someone who believed in us but also could give us boundaries. You might have an image of someone right now, that might be a really obvious person, or you might not, you might never have had that sort of love. You might have seen, there's a very powerful clip on YouTube of the footballer Ian Wright, um, who's, who commentates uh, and analyses on BBC TV a lot. And when he was a young boy, he was in quite a big family. He didn't really get very much parenting by his own admission. He was a bit rough and ready. And he went to a school and there was an older teacher who, who spotted his potential and took him aside and said, you can be a footballer, but you've got to get things sorted. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to do your work. You've got to speak to people properly. You've got to be polite. And this chap sort of parented him at school. And, you know got him to trials and eventually he became obviously a very famous professional footballer and played for England etc. And Ian Wright didn't realise that this chap's still alive, he thought he'd died and there's a wonderful clip you can, you can see on, on, on the internet um, where Ian Wright's doing a sort of documentary for BBC and this teacher just appears and sort of says, hi, and Ian Wright just, just bursts into tears, he just crumbles he sort of holds on to this chap and he just said, I thought you were dead, and it's just the most touching thing because he's quite you know, tough footballer, is sobbing because there's a man in his life who gave him discipline and boundaries, but also love, and said, right, you are worth something, but get your act together, get to your lessons, do your homework, be polite to people around you, and taught him how to be a young man, because he didn't feel his father could do that, or his brothers could do that, etc. So it might be worth thinking of, hopefully, someone in your life who's been able to give you discipline and perhaps boundaries, but also give you love too, because I think ultimately, in all these three areas, that's what's this about. It's not about someone telling us what to do. It's about love coming from that person and us giving obedience. And that's very different from someone just bossing us around. It's not about God saying, like, these people can boss other people around. I genuinely don't believe that. So I'm going to read to the first bit first. So if you've got the Church Bibles, this is on 1176 in the Church Bibles. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to read from uh, verse 22. So chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So, as I said, I know a lot of people struggle with some of those words. It sounds a very old-fashioned approach. It sounds very 
sort of patriarchal, dominated by men, telling wives and women what to do. It's obviously giving a, a heterosexual version of, of, of marriage and relationships too. So some people would say, gosh, it's very old-fashioned. So what's going on here? I think the key to this passage is that um, however you see this, the husband, I guess, has got the huge job in this scenario. That the husband is being Jesus in this scenario and is loving the wife like Jesus loves the church. Now we know, as we just sung in that lyric, what Jesus has done for us ultimately. He's died on the cross, he's sacrificed everything. Jesus could not have done more for each one of us than he did. That's the level of love we're talking about, and we're talking about obedience to someone like that. If I'm a husband and I'm able to give that level of absolute sacrificial love to my wife, well, perhaps obeying me in that sense probably doesn't seem such a big deal. And that's, I think, how we should see it. It's so easy to read the first line and just stop there and think, God, that seems so traditional. But Jesus is suggesting a way of behaving where there is someone who is in, in charge, someone normally in charge, but that person has far more responsibility than the other person. And I know that's those tough words. Now, I'm about to embark on marriage for a second time. It's very exciting. I was only imagining doing it once. Never mind. It's going to happen for a second time. And it's, you know, and I'm again thinking about these, these whole issues. I'm thinking, you know, you know authority in a, in a Christian marriage. How is that going to work out? What does that mean? And I know it's not simply me saying, do this, do that. Because that just doesn't work. It's about me looking after my wife-to-be. It's about loving her as perfectly as I could, using the model of Jesus. Because Jesus knows all of us so perfectly well. And it's a challenge. It's difficult. So when we're looking at this passage, I think that's how we should see it. Rather than simply focusing on the idea of one person being in charge. I know in a lot of marriages, a lot of partnerships, it is a very 50-50 process. You know, I also know some people who say they wish their other half would sometimes make decisions better. And they just wish someone would take responsibility for decisions as well. But these are tough things. We need to pray for our married couples. We need to pray when we're married. And work all of these things out together. But the message we have here in the Bible is a very clear one, but a very tough one, particularly for the husband. The husband's standards being set here are hugely high. And as I said, if you can obey someone who loves you, like in that Ian Wright scenario, I'm sure in the end he came to find it quite easy to obey that teacher because he realised that teacher loved him to bits. You know, that that teacher saw potential, that saw that he could be this great footballer, that he needed some, some help and support and care and discipline. And he went the extra mile to help him. And I think that's, that's the spirit of this passage. It's not just telling people off or saying, right, I'm in charge. It's saying, I'm going to love you perfectly. Okay, so it's, it's very much Christ and the church. Submit in everything. If you're going to make your other half holy, well, you're going to support her. You're going to pray for her. You're going to nurture her. And those are big things to do. If we talk about marriage as a foundation of Christian society or one of the building blocks of society, some would call it the cement that binds together society, 
it's got to be based on trust and it's got to be based on really good Christian foundations. And again, if you've had a relationship in your life where someone has shown you that degree of love, perhaps the obedience level is, is, is more straightforward. So there we go. A few words on marriage. And I know Christian marriage is very, very tough. And you might have had a very bad experience already. I hope you're having a fantastic experience. But that might be something to pray about at the end of this. Is that still a problem today? Is the balance a problem in your relationship? Is one of you pulling more of the weight? Does one of you make all the decisions? That might be something we can pray about in a few minutes' time. Okay, children and parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay, parenting, so easy, isn't it? It's just a piece of cake. <laughs> finds it so easy. Now, the other thing I'll be doing, as well as um, getting married again, which is exciting, is taking on three more children. Fantastic. Three more teenagers. So, six teenagers, not three. Which is, you know, please pray. That's fantastic. But again, I will have to be a parent in a very physical way that I haven't had to be so much over the last few years. I've been visiting my kids who live quite a long way away in North Yorkshire and we have fantastic times. But actually, day by day, from, from when I get married, I'll have three other kids in the household to deal with. I won't be their dad. I'll never be their dad. Their dad's still around. But I will be their parent. And that's going to be challenging. They can always turn around at me and say, you're not my dad. Why should I listen to you? And I'll have to work out really carefully how to support their mum, how to work out boundaries, how to discuss how family life works. It will be a challenge, it will be difficult, and it's a challenge for everyone. Some, someone said, there's a chap called David Baddiel, who's a sort of comedian and children's writer. He thinks that the current parenting generation, people at his age, people in their sort of 40s, with particularly teenagers, is the most ins insecure parenting generation ever. He, he reckons, and he tweets quite a lot about this, if you follow him, that parents today are so worried messing up their children, whatever decisions they take, whether they're too harsh or not harsh enough, what they let them eat, whether they give them too many rules. Last night I, I took three 17-year-old girls to a party uh, and it was terrifying. It was, it was just sort of, you know, I was thinking, what am I doing this? They, they were heading off to a party and picking them up later and you think, this is slightly new territory for me. My, my youngest daughter doesn't really go to that many parties. So taking someone else's daughter and her friends and just thinking, gosh, all the pitfalls, what should I say? As a sort of, sort of step-parent, what guidance, advice, how tough should I be? It's really, really difficult ground. You want to encourage your children to be responsible and grown up, but you also want to give them boundaries. So it's a very tough time today. I don't know, I think our parents' generation, I'm not sure they worried about it quite so much. There were books, there was Dr. Spock, which my, my mum certainly read. You know, they had clearer ideas about, well, you know, you just put them to sleep, let them cry, or you feed them cow's milk, which was a thing in the 1970s. But I think there's just so much information today, and there's so many people talking about it, blogging about it, tweeting about it. We just sort of struggle to know what we should be doing. 
a lot of the time. And it's, sometimes it feels really harsh to say, that's the rule of the house, you must do it. I know some people are really comfortable with it. Um, I, was, I was talking to a, um, a, a Christian a couple at another church, and he's a senior policeman. He's, sort of, he's basically the top policeman in, in West Sussex. Sort of, and he is really firm with his children. He's really tough. And he'll do things like he'll check their internet searching history with them and he'll sit down in their bedrooms for an hour and a half and go through what they've been looking at, explaining why some sites... Now, that's, that's quite scary. Yeah, we can all say, don't do that, don't do that. But he says, right, I'm their dad. I need to explain to them about the internet. So he takes it really, really seriously. He takes their mobile phones off them at nine o'clock every night and they all come down dutifully and just give their mobile phones in. I'm a bit... Is that a bit harsh? Is that a bit authoritarian? But he said, you know, I don't want my teenage kids with mobile phones in the rooms at nine o'clock. So we have a rule, and it's that they come down, they say, good night, Dad, give me a kiss, and they put their phone, and I look after it for the rest of the day. We all have different approaches. But it's tough to get it right. It's tough to get it right, so you, as it says here, and I think this again, this is the, the sort of the love part. The second bit says fathers, but it's it means parents here, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's not simply about telling them off and just telling them what to do. It's about loving them properly, again, with the same model of Jesus' love for us. It's easy to obey someone if they have your best interest. Yes, they're not going to like everything. They're not going to like a bedtime, whatever it might be, or when mum has to say no. I'm sure she never says that. She she says no. Does Dad say no a bit as well? I was going to say. I thought that. I probably shouldn't go here. Does Mum say more? But it's it's tough. It's really tough. Does Dad say more no to you? To you? Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. It's very tricky because we're humans. We're human beings, and it's really difficult sometimes to to keep our boundaries really, really strict. But the message here is, yes, and actually this is one of the rare, but this is you know, the fifth commandment about children obeying their parents, is the only one of those commandments that has a promise that comes with it, this promise of blessing if we obey our parents. You know, not just for children. You know, I'm still lucky to have parents still alive. I should be obeying them as well. And that's sometimes harder as we get older as well, to think about obeying our older parents. At what point do you stop obeying your parents? Is there an age limit? Well, if we've still got parents alive, respecting them is still very, very important. So again, don't exasperate our children. Give them clear boundaries, but don't, don't make everything so impossible that they're just going to fail the whole time. And children, yeah, obey your parents. They've got your interests at heart. So again, two very tough areas. Already you might be thinking, you've been a child, you might be a parent. There might have been good times or bad times with that. Your, your parents might not be with us. There's all sorts of things probably flying around your head. So many images and stories. And this is, you know, this is, can be really tough stuff. Finally, slaves and masters. Now you might think, well, okay, surely this is, this is for history. Sadly, we have got a problem with slavery, as you might have seen as well. On the, on the news recently, but I don't think that's what this is all about. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, 
but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they're slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no favouritism with him. So, okay, this was written in a time when slavery was the norm. A lot of people had slaves, that was normal. But today, we have work, we have bosses, we have emails, we have contracts, we have zero-hour contracts, possibly. And again, there's a whole different challenge as a Christian worker, and also perhaps as a Christian boss. If you're managing people, how we can reflect this, how we can use these New Testament guidelines to be better at work. And again, the message here is fairly clear. It's to do our jobs well, but not just to do our jobs when someone is watching us. Not to sort of look good, but to do it when someone else. Someone once said that, that character is who you are when nobody's looking. It's so easy to, to sound impressive, to look good in front of the boss, to look impressive. But actually, what are you actually doing when no one's checking you? Because that's the, the very high standard that we have here in Ephesians. Doing our work to the best of our ability all the time. And what do we do about those bosses? Well, it's suggesting we trust them. It's suggesting that we, we do our best for them. Perhaps we don't gossip about them or, or criticise them behind their backs. Because, of course, that happens everywhere. Where, where a boss is not unpopular. Probably at this church, I'm sure. Claire's not sitting there in the office saying, oh, Robin's coming again. Oh, because I'm sure everyone works to have a team, but in most offices, let's face it, there's going to be that little bit of gossip and chat about our bosses. We all like to have a little pop at our bosses. But actually, the message here from the Christian is, well, not, don't do that. It's very difficult to stand up and say, actually, I can understand why that decision was made, or actually, that's probably fair because it's really, t- we all just want to fit in. We all want to agree with everybody else. But the message here is to not only just do our work really well, but you know, also to, to support the people who are making these tough decisions, to support our bosses. And that's very difficult. Of course, there are bosses that get it horribly wrong, are very unscrupulous. There are bosses who don't allow their workers to have toilet breaks or whatever, and sometimes we need to stand up for that and fight for that. And you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with being in a trade union and... and trying to take action against unscrupulous bosses and there's been a lot of that uncovered recently hasn't there, a lot of talk in the press about that but the simple message here is if you are in employment, you've got a job just do it as well as you can my brother worked for a company for many many years uh, it, it was basically a steel stockholding company so they sold steel, they bought steel in from various countries, they sold it on to other people he was, did very well at the company for many many years but he was constantly told that he had to sort of bully some of his sales team, that he had to lie to customers about things. He was, if, for example, a shipment was a few days, perhaps it was late, my brother would bring him up and say, it's late, it, it hasn't come over from Calais yet, it's going to be tomorrow. I said, don't say that. Say it's on its way. Call him in two hours' time and say there's been a puncture. And he'd say, but that's just not true. The, the, it's better to say it's going to be tomorrow and get it there. No, you don't do it like that. Just say it's on its way. Say it's going to be a little delayed. And then, now my brother refused to do that. And he got a huge amount of grief because he said, I'm not prepared to lie to customers. I'm not prepared to swear at the sales staff if they're not achieving their targets. I'll talk to them, I'll encourage them. 
you know, I'll point out what we need to do. I won't shout at them. And you're not doing your job properly because you are not doing those things. And eventually he said, I just can't work under these conditions. Um, he's now running, running a food bank, you know, which is, which is a fantastic thing. But he's not getting paid to do it. He gave up a quite a well-paid job because he said, I can't work under conditions where people are telling me to treat workers wrong. And he'd say to his bosses, well, you know, we haven't really got a proper maternity cover sorted out. Oh, don't worry about that. It doesn't matter. We hardly ever have. And he said, no, it's wrong. We're, we're not obeying the law here. So sometimes there can be sacrifices if we try to do work properly, if we try to be a good boss, if we try to look after people. There are challenges. But the standards here are really, really high. The standards are we obey what our bosses tell us to do. We work as hard as we can. We are salt and light at work, as it were. People can look at us and say, gosh, that person does their work properly, and that's a real challenge. I find that a real challenge, because if I'm hearing people in my school criticising the head or senior manager or whatever, it's very hard to say, actually, that's not fair. Actually, come on, let's be fair about this. It's so much easier to join in. And it's, that might be the case where you might be working as well. So the standards here are tough, but I think there is this two-way process, and that two-way process is obedience, which is, you know, I know quite a difficult thing for a lot of people to get their heads around, but there's love coming in the other direction, so there's a sort of obedience up to, whether it is a wife to a husband, whether it is a child to a parent, whether it is a worker to a boss, and obedience, I know, raises hackles, particularly if we've been treated badly, perhaps where a wife has been treated badly by a husband, perhaps where a child has been treated badly by a parent, perhaps where a worker who has been treated badly, perhaps you've been in another church and you've been treated badly by the leadership of that church. I know that sometimes happens as well. And you might feel the idea of authority is a really tricky one. The people in those positions of authority, whether in this case it's husbands or parents or bosses, effectively, have got to look after the people in their care to such a high standard and as I say just think back to that first example that person in your life who hopefully you've experienced who's given you discipline but also love that's the sort of model that we're talking about here and if that's a model we can take into a role that we have today whether it is as a husband and wife or whether it's a parent or whether it's someone working that's something we can all do slightly differently next week and the week after and into the rest of this year. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up. I'm going to ask us all to stand if you don't mind because I think we all need prayer on this topic. And then Claire and the band will play some response songs in the So I'm just going to lead us in a prayer and just think about those roles that we've all experienced. And we might have had a very positive experience of that role, we might not. But just give us a chance to just pray together before we continue responding.